morning. We're live on Facebook. We're live on YouTube. Welcome everyone to the Feel Inspired Podcast. My name is Amit Soda, your awesome, amazing host. There is no one better. And uh, today I've got an incredible guest, actually. Uh, something a little bit different to my norm as well. But uh, before we go any further, call for anyone who's joining new, who's listening new to this for the first time. Uh, like I said, my name's Amit. I've been doing, I've been a coach for over 20 years. I've been a dating coach for 12 years. Uh, I've been a radio presenter for 15 years. And I decided to bring together my talents to help inspire people in the same way that I've been inspired through some of the things I've read or seen or talks or books or uh, quotes or posters, whatever it might be. You know, some of these things have been pivotal in influencing and changing my life. And I I wanted to do the same for other people that is bring together some incredible people who you may not have heard of but have so much to bring you to offer the world in general and so today I have one such individual as well uh, I mean like I've just read a little bit about your story the first thing that blew my mind was the fact you're a father to six children um, and it's for me that I, I love hearing about stuff like this as well because I, I do I jokingly speak to parents who have you know um, you know one child and they're like oh you have no idea what it's like being a parent yet and I'm like my mom had six children my my wife's you know uh grand you know my wife's gran had 10 children 10 boys not even 10 children 10 boys and I think one girl and you know like you know they they did all of this without technology they didn't have all this help they couldn't just go on the internet and say okay what do I do in this case uh, and I really have a huge admiration and respect for that and I think it's a, it's a bit of a tongue-in-cheek thing and sometimes I get a little bit of a slap on the wrist for it but you know what? I find it fascinating today's guest like I said has got six children but that's not the only reason why we're speaking to this gentleman today as well now let me just double check I am saying your surname correct it is is it Platt Plout Plout Yes. Plout, lovely, excellent. So uh, let me introduce you to this wonderful guest. His name is Peter Peter Plout. Uh, he's the executive director of the Wimmer Family Office based in London, and it focuses on investments in real estates, metals, mining, alternative energy, and natural resources, all wonderful things as well. Um, and we're going to be talking about your definition of success and how you've got to the point where you are today and how you've kind of also balanced and managed everything. Um, but as well as doing this, I think, like I said, you're a parent to six wonderful children as well, uh, who at some point in the future I may get to meet as well, uh, which I would love to, of course, as well. Uh, so, but I mean, to, to do all of this and be who you are and do what you do is an incredible thing. So I wanted to dive right in and ask you just to give like a sort of a three or four minute upshot of who you are and kind of how you've got to this point of where you are in your life today, and maybe even one or two of the challenges you've come across. Oh, great. So, I mean, it's, it's a pleasure and an honor to be here today. So, thank you for the time and thanks for the audience uh, that will be watching or streaming. Um, yes, I'm Peter Plout. I'm the Executive Director, director of, of Weimer Family Office. Uh, we are a family office that's joined with our partner family office. It's a multi-billion dollar, multi-family um, family office looking to protect the generation of five very large families. Um, we invest in real estate, metals and mining, alternative energy sources, um, everything uh, under the umbrella of ESG compliant and impact investing, uh, diversity and inclusiveness is very important. Minimum size investment is 150 million to well over a billion. So our, our size- let me, just check, uh, let me just check how much I've got on me. Uh, no, no, <laughs> not quite there yet. <laughs> but um, um, I'll tell you, uh, it's been a tough and challenging road to get here over the last 35 years. Uh, there's been trials, there's been tribulations. I've had to reinvent my career and myself at least 10 times over those 30 years. Um, 
I went through a terrible divorce in 2013, had to reinvent myself again. After that, an impact on my three boys at the time. Um, but recently, in the last few years, I, I met a beautiful woman, both internally and externally, and we were remarried. Um, and now I have three children. So I have two sets of twins and uh, three boys and three girls. The boys are anywhere from 17 to 23, and the girls are under three. Um, I attribute all the hard work there with, to, my, to my wife. I'm focused on uh, the children as much as I can. And I think some of the challenges that I've experienced made my definition of success, not about financial monetary rewards, although that's there, but very much family, health, wellness. And if anything, this terrible pandemic has really focused me more on the value of family, friends, colleagues, and amid people, meeting people like yourself and reaching out and inviting them to my house and meeting the family. I think it's work and personal life experiences need to be combined in this pandemic so that we, it is really bridging the gap between the separation of work and family is now coming more closely to aligned. Beautiful, wonderful introduction, by the way, as well. And it sounds like you've got a wealth of experience, not just in what you do, but in life as well. And I think that that uh, counts hugely because um, I, I'm someone who's never really come from a, a hugely academic background. I've just built myself up into who I am by working, trying. Um, and you used a beautiful word there, reinventing yourself. Uh, and that's something I've done, had to do many times over. Um, uh, and so that's a fascinating thing. And I think that some people can see life and their journey as just this wonderful, beautiful curve that just goes like this. But, you know, as we know, in real life, it's constantly up and down and up and down. And it's great to see that you're someone who's been through that and has kind of, and I'm sure this isn't the last of it. I'm sure there's going to be further ups and downs, but, um, but you've been through it and you've reached a point where you're quite content and happy and fulfilled in yourself. And you would define as, you know, self-define as successful as well because that's quite an interesting thing because everyone has their own definition of what success is but you've reached that point where you feel you are successful in both your your business your wealth standpoint your family and you know I'm sure there's still plenty more to come uh, and so that, that leads nicely onto that question for you personally uh, Peter what is it that defines success for you? Listen for most of my I do not grow up wealthy by any means shape or form I came from a family, um, upper middle class background in uh, New York, um, moved to London in, in uh, 97. Um, however, uh, you know, to me back in America, it was always monetary success more than anything else. That was the overriding focus of myself, my colleagues, friends, et cetera, and including family. And uh, jealousy is, is something that everybody's jealous of their next door neighbor trying to keep up with the Joneses. So I spent a good part of my first part of my life history and 35 years on Wall Street. I found the first 15 years was up, up and away, kept going up, making more and more money, working harder and harder, keeping up with the Joneses. And, uh, and then it all ended in, um, I would say somewhere around 2004. You see, I started my career as a research analyst back in the late eighties, early nineties. I mean, there was no such thing as the internet, no email. There was no way to really find financial analysis except digging into annual reports and doing it yourself. So it was a very valuable commodity to be a research analyst. However, with the advent of the internet, email, everything is right away. And so I would say in the 1999 to 2000, we were going through a transition. By the time 2004 came away, research was a commodity, easily found on the internet. 
And so the industry went through significant structural changes. Um, I had to reinvent myself away from research on the sell side or the Wall Street firms and move away to the buy side because it was more value added. My bonuses that were quite significant, close to seven figures, were cut in half, then more than a half again. Um, I had to reinvent myself and I couldn't do it in research because that was going away. So I moved into sales on Wall Street. And then again, with the advent of the internet, people could see pricing, transparency happen. And just like stocks, the bond market in particular, which I was focused on, given pricing transparency, led to sales as also a commodity. I had to reinvent myself again away from sales. I went to be a portfolio manager. I moved away from my family in uh, New York at the time. I moved uh, to Washington, D.C. I commuted on the weekends. Um, but that firm actually blew up. Too many one-sided bets. I then had to move back into a different research kind of sales role. And that takes us basically to 08. Now that we had the financial crisis, the financial crisis hit. I was blamed on Wall Street. I was at a job, I had to find another job, another job after that, and another. But I persevered, kept working hard, really focused on family and friends and reaching out to colleagues, picked myself back up because I had that internal optimism. During that time, I went through a, a very difficult uh, divorce and custody battle. Um, but then met the love of my life. We got remarried. And as I mentioned, uh, we now have three beautiful uh, girls to complement the three boys that I have. But I'm still reinventing myself, still putting myself out there. So to get to this level of success today that I enjoy at the Weimer family office um, in terms of investing hundreds of millions of dollars, if not over a billion or so, um, was a long path over the last 35 years. People might just see me on, on the internet and published media and other and say, wow, man's investing 150 million to over a billion. But the road to that was fit with challenges and lots of drama, very, very hard. So if I could leave any message, uh, Kira, to you and your, and your viewer, uh, to Amit and to you and your viewers would simply be, um, you gotta persevere. You got to use your network. You got to stay optimistic. No how, matter how bad things are, personally, financially, you need to say tomorrow will be a better day. And when you wake up tomorrow, hit the um, road with some optimism and hard work. And if it's not tomorrow, it's not next week, maybe it'll be next year. But there is a bright light at the end of the tunnel. And I'm happy to share my story. People can call me, email me, et cetera. Happy to. Uh, work them through any of their challenges that they face. You know, um, listening to your story and you mentioned something there about using your networks and and I, I don't know about you, but I've been a follower of Tony Robbins for many, many years. And uh, there was, I was listening to him recently and there was just something that stuck out and I've heard it a hundred times before, but it really jumped out at me this time. More so that at, at any point in the past where he said, and, you know, he, he said it really eyes deep in the camera. And, you know, sometimes when you're listening to a speaker, a powerful speaker or something, and they just feel they happen to be speaking to you at that moment. And, you know, he looked in the camera, very deep in the camera, very close and just said, look, proximity is power. And that line for me had never, even though I'd heard it, I kind of acknowledged it, but I never really bought into it that much. But I'm starting to realize in my own life just how powerful and how true that is. And, you know, you mentioned about, you know, reinventing yourself, building yourself. And would you say that having contacts or having people in your life who are already in the industry was a boon to you? Or did it help you? Did it help you on your journey? Did you leverage those contacts? You know, how did you use these people? How did you reconnect? 
so they, they didn't feel that you were just there as a fair weather friend. Now, how did you actually leverage these people to help you in your life? So uh, first of all, on the uh, perseverance in the difficult times, um, family and close friends, my wife are really my rock. My mom, my dad, my wife, my children are my rock um, going through the tough times. And if you don't have that type of family, then hopefully it's a close friend that you can confide in. That's key. In terms of work um, as well, you can't do it alone. You can't just sit in your room, work hard, read a lot, and expect life to just come to you. Um, you have to reach out for it. And it's a lot of work. It's like a marriage. There's the ups and downs, the same thing with friendship. You've got to add value to the people that you're looking to work with. You can't just take, you have to give. And I think if you give more of your time, your energy, it doesn't have to be monetarily to helping others in various shapes and forms, that will come back to you 10 times over. So it's leveraging your network of contacts, whether that means going back to your childhood years, your university years, if you're fortunate to go to university, um, your contacts in, in previous work lives, your current work life, um, never burn a bridge. Even if you had a difficult situation with your previous employer, never burn a bridge because you'll never know when you will need them or they might even need you. So it's real honesty um, in terms of reaching out to those contacts and leveraging those contacts that you have. But again, you've got to give something as well as if you're going to take something. Yeah, no, that, that sounds amazing. Was there any specific instances that stood out for you in terms of the people who are around you that even maybe even they surprised you by the way they kind of stuck their neck out for you or helped you on your journey, especially during those times that you were going through the, the transition, the reinventing, the tough times, the real dips in your life? Uh, for the turf times going through the divorce, et cetera, which is a very difficult divorce on my end. Um, Going through that was my parents, my closest friends, and my children at the time, my three sons. In terms of um, work-wise and financially, um, I give credit to people that surprised me from 20, 25 years ago that I reached out to that we always stepped in touch with. And uh, they used their network to provide me with the opportunities that I have today. Um, so again, um, I would mention, uh, I, had a, I always had a rabbi, always had a mentor. Um, no matter what career I had, somebody that I looked up to and worked really hard for them and tried to add value to them so that the day that came that I needed to cash in on, let's say that shit, um, I was able to, and they were more than willing to be helpful in that sense. Yeah, no, that sounds wonderful. And you are, uh, obviously you work for this, this uh, family run uh, organization corporation right now as well. Obviously they deal with investing and uh, I assume for you, your history uh, as well has obviously played a big part in helping you with this, this position you're in right now in terms of investing. And, uh, and uh, I don't know a lot of, uh, I don't know about a lot of people out there, but for me personally, so, so investing has just been something that I've literally just started to you know dip my toe into this world right now and um so i've decided like you know i i want to be in a position where i do want a little bit of well you know by my definition financial freedom so that i'm not always thinking about money every second of every day you know of course there's going to be ups and downs when it comes to finances but i want to be in a position where you know that i can create some financial stability for myself my wife my family 
not always be reliant on a job or you know certain certain aspects of finances um and create a sort of a wealth portfolio for myself so like i said i've just started dabbling i've read i, I read you know voraciously and stuff i've just read the three uh, three of the rich dad poor dad books and i'm just reading uh tony robbins unshakable book right now as well which has answered a lot of questions for me and i just wanted to hear your take uh, for people who are just you know, entering the world of investing and, you know, where do they start and how can they start this process of perhaps building a little bit of um, financial security for themselves and their family, especially with everything going on right now. I mean, this is, a, you know, let's, let's face it, unparalleled what's going on right now. So how can even at this time, uh, you know, I, I assume that nothing's going to be smooth, you know, from here on out, but maybe people can create some sense of stability in their life. You know, so what would you say to these people who need somewhere to start and just have no idea, have never done it before? Well, let, let's, a lot of questions there. So let's yeah, yeah, so yeah, just literally like ram them at you. First of all, um, many, many of your viewers might not even know what a family office is. So a family office is created by ultra, ultra high net worth individuals um, since they have so much wealth. And some of that wealth is from uh, being an entrepreneur and creating big businesses that employ um, lots and lots of people or whatever it happens to be, they have significant financial wealth as well as, and that could be liquid as well as assets. They create a family office, which is almost a separate investment fund run by professional investment managers like myself and my colleagues to manage their money because they might be very successful entrepreneurs, but they're not great investors in the financial markets nor direct investors, maybe in real estate and other hard assets. So their money is managed professionally by a family office that they create. They can create their own individual family office that just manages their own money, or they can create a multi-family office like I work with, which has multiple families. My current family office has five families. Each is a billionaire in their own right. They pool their money together so we could have very large economies of scale in terms of the investments that we could invest in. That's why I said our minimum size is over 150 million to well over a billion. We invest in real estate assets around the globe, oil and gas, natural resources, alternative energy, metals and mining, as I mentioned, with a big focus on ESG compliant, that's uh, environment, social awareness, corporate governance, impact investing. Um, in terms of your question, in terms of um, individuals just starting out, I'll give the same advice I'd give to my children that my father gave to me and his father gave to him, you know, take a small amount of your salary before you spend anything, before you pay your rent, you pay your mortgage, your car payment, doesn't matter if it's $10 and put it in a savings account that you have no access to. And what do you mean that no access? Put it into a savings account at one of the local banks, Barclays, HSBC, NatWest, et cetera that the only way you can take out money, not on a debit card, is to physically go into the bank like you had to do going back before the internet and ATM cards existed. That means you need to actually physically go into a bank, fill out a piece of paper and withdraw money. And when you actually have to do that and you confront somebody, it might pain you to actually take that money out more than just um, paying for stuff on your Apple wallet or through the ATM. Doing that, putting simply $10 a week or paycheck away over time, makes a big difference. Now, in terms of what investments, that's just in a savings account. 
It's going to get really no interest, but at least you have forced savings. And everybody should have enough savings, should they lose their job, particularly in the situation with our pandemic, that you could survive for three, if not six months to pay your car, your utilities, food, and other expenses in the bank. That's not an easy thing to do. But if in times are okay, you could put away a small amount of money, it'll make a huge difference. In terms of the question about investments, again, it's the same thing. Pick an, a mutual fund, an ETF that mimics the market, put some money in there and keep reinvesting the dividends that the stocks or bonds, um, if bonds have coupons, continuously investing. And you'll be surprised in three years time, five years time, 10 years time, how compounded interest and compounding dividends will work to help you build a nest egg. You have to start when you're in your early 20s, if not sooner, because when you get to be my age in your early 50s, it's too late because you want to obviously start thinking about retirement. Now with six kids, I'm not retiring until I die, whether I have a passion for work or not. But uh, that's the advice I would give. Lovely. I think I think that's a, a, a pretty blanket advice. And I think that it's amazing how many people don't follow that advice. And to be honest, I've got to be true. I was not easy. That's yeah, I've got I've got to be honest. Like I think um I, I wrote a book about this, you know, because I, I was one of these people who was hugely in debt at one point. And and I mean I was in so much debt, I literally had pennies to my name and how I began to turn things around was I, I don't have an example here, but I, I got a mobile phone, but I didn't even have a money box. <laughs> I didn't, I couldn't even afford one. I got an old mobile phone box and I sellotaped it up and I put a little slit in it. And I just, any pennies I had left over, I literally put into this box. And I, you know, gradually over time, turned my situation around, managed to pay off all my debts, save up enough to have a beautiful wedding for me and my wife. Um, but I still wasn't investing and I, I've started now, but I think to myself, only I started, you know, 10, 15, 20 years ago. I, I, if I look back at my life, that's actually one of my biggest regrets was not doing this sooner. But I think it's amazing that you like what, what you've just said is pretty much the prudent advice you hear from probably every expert. Which is I'm a hypocrite. Okay. And the fact that for the first 15 years, I was going up, up, up and away into the seven figures range. Right. And then it all came crashing down. Okay. Yet I had three kids at the time, a wife to support. I think I had three homes at the time. And then I went to a place where I couldn't buy food at the uh, local supermarket, the card decline, card decline. Forget about the embarrassment, it's card decline. So went from being on top to being at the bottom. Um, so, you know, when times are good, you have to set away side money. I didn't, okay? And I had to rebuild it again. Now there are structural changes impacting the industry uh, that, Happened, but I can, you can always blame it on somebody else, boss you don't like, friend you don't like, etc. But the reality is, you have to do it. You have to do it now, or you're going to be reinventing yourself when you're much older. And at that point, it's much harder. Yeah, no, absolutely. So, let me just interrupt you. In terms of savings, go around your house. There's eBay. Okay. There's Facebook Market. Okay. Look around the house for stuff you don't need. Put it on eBay, put it on Facebook market. It's an old computer. It's an old keyboard. You might get 20 pounds for it. You might get a hundred pounds. Okay. Take the money you get from that. Don't spend it on a new keyboard or a new computer. Put it into that savings account at Barclays, HSBC, NatWest, wherever that you physically have to go into the building to withdraw the money. And you'll be, you'll be surprised 
how good it feels to have that savings there, even a small amount, particularly when a rainy day happens. Yeah, no, absolutely so true. And was was that the case for you then? Would you say that you you started this process much later because of uh, and also, would you say that you're almost grateful for what happened because it has made you realize now, holy shit, I had all this choice to, you know, I had all this money at one point and I didn't, was it was stupid about it, but now actually, now I know better, I can do something about it. I can make up for that lost, lost time, so to speak. Because when you're young and you think that you're in, you're, there's just no vulnerability whatsoever. So you don't think about that way. So that's the, the common misperception. You are vulnerable and you never know what something's going to hit. Last New Year's, nobody knew that just a few months later, we we're going to be facing a pandemic that has changed the course of human history. There's been economic impact that's huge, financial impact. There's a social impact that's even more so. Um, so that was rainy days. You never know where they're going to come from. So that's very important. So you're right. You know, uh, Start early, but it's easier said than done because you need the money to pay the rent. You need the money to pay, make the car payment. So whatever you could do, as I mentioned, to try to put a little away, that's helpful. Yeah. One important um, thing for um, this conversation, not to direct it, is um, we're experiencing unprecedented times, as I mentioned, both economically and financially. So putting away a little savings now is, is going to be very, very difficult for most people, majority of the people in the world. So the reality is, is kind of how do we focus on making a more inclusive, a more diverse, and have more empathy for your next door neighbor, friend, and bridge the real racial divide that's occurring across cities across the globe, no, no more so than what's going on um, in the United States right now. And I think um, it's a nice segue into how, what we're doing at the Weimer family office, what I'm doing personally uh, to help in, in, in that current situation. Tell us, tell us more, actually, what, what are you doing? Like, how are you doing? Because this is a good point, right? You know, we, I think, you know, luckily me and my wife, touch wood, we're in a good position right now. And, I, and I'm doing as much as I can, I think I could be doing. And I was just curious. So tell, tell us more about what you're doing in terms of, you know, the, the giving back side of things. So as a family office, um, the five families whose money that we manage, it's very, very important that there is a philanthropic angle to it. It's very important that there's an ESG, as I mentioned, environmentally friendly, social responsibility, climate control, for instance, um, and corporate governance. So uh, talking about ESG in particular, um, not philanthropic activities, we leave that to each of the families to do. We're paid as money managers and financiers to manage their wealth, to protect their wealth for multi-generations. So in terms of ESG and each of those um, components there, um, I think it's just fundamental to any analyst, research analyst, portfolio manager, or anybody that's managing other people's money to use ESG as part of their tool set, making sure the investments that you make are environmentally sound, that are not going to lead to massive liabilities, uh, socially responsible investing, and making sure that corporate governance is there. You can invest in one of the best companies you think in the world, but if management is horrible, that company will go bankrupt. So you need to start with ESG as a fundamental basis of any institutional amount of money. 
to being said. Second of all, it's a very sexy term investing with ESG now, but it is something that is here to stay. And it's very important. There's ESG ratings that are out there. Some companies can't move into a particular office space unless it's carbon neutral or will be carbon neutral at some point in the future because of the social consciousness of the human race right now to global warming. So um, ESG investing is number one in sound, making sure that the investing you're doing has an important impact, um, whether that's socially, corporate governance wise, in terms of the investments, in terms of the managers you're investing in, and then obviously on uh, diversity inclusiveness. So talking about diversity inclusiveness, I work at a, a family office that's multicultural, multiracial. And I think that um, more and more businesses will have to have that as part of their ethos. And um, the environment has to be a meritocracy, whether it's man, woman, black, white, Asian, Hispanic, um, et cetera, religious um, neutral. Um, that's gonna have to be more and more important to every workplace that we're in right now. And I think you will see more of that and you'll see more empathy um, given this pandemic as we move forward over the next um, several quarters and next several years. So what are we doing our part? As I mentioned, we have a very inclusive and diversified workforce, even if it's small. We try to use ESG and impact investing in um, everything that we do. So hopefully that is how we are contributing from our family office to uh, the betterment of mankind, you might say. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's wonderful to hear. I think this is a, it's definitely the hot potato at the moment in how we're, you know, um, not only the diversity inclusion issue as well, but obviously the environment. So, you know, for me, in fact, actually that in many ways comes first, because if we're not doing that, then the rest is almost irrelevant, you know? So it's, a, it's such an important thing and it's wonderful to hear that as well. Um, I'm a, the vice chairman of the GRI Club for Hospitality and Future Finance and Investments. And about a month ago, we had a guest speaker, Ruth King, who wrote a book that I'd highly recommend. And it talks about um, the racial divide and has some really interesting charts there. And to me, it was eye-opening. And I think it really would help to put Black Lives Matter uh, the social strife that we're seeing in cities across the U.S. as well as across the globe um, by putting yourself into the other person's shoes and seeing what they look at from their perspective, their life. So Ruth King, um, highly recommend reading her book. She's a great guest speaker. And uh, we have that to help because the GRI Club is a group of C-level C-suite executives. So C, you know, CEO types across the globe focused on real estate. And I think it's incumbent of us as leaders of family offices, leaders in the real estate space and others um, to put ourselves in those shoes, to think about it and then figure out how we can be a part of changing the world that we're currently in. Yeah, absolutely. And that's a good note as well. I'll definitely make a note and uh, look, at, look at her books for 100% sure. Thank you so much for that. Um, and I just wanted to go back a little bit as well, because you, you talked about um, the challenges you went through in terms of kind of, you know, having firstly, the, you know, an incredible job that was paying you an incredible amount of money, but also having a family at the time. And then later on losing all of that and losing, you know, and also going through sort of a family crisis as well. How did you pull yourself out of that? Because it's very easy as, 
for any human being then just to feel like I want to give up, you know, I mean, this is too much for any one human to take. So how did you, what did you do to turn things around for yourself? So number one, um, you have to have an innate ability to basically say tomorrow's going to be a better day. And if that basically means going to church, going to temple, local mosque, etc., whatever your religious faith is, I think your faith is important and believing that there's a higher purpose for the world as well as for yourself. And, and then obviously believing in yourself. You need to get up every day, put on, take a shower, shave, put on a suit and look like you're going to go conquer the world. You need to do that. You need to leverage your friends and family, your peers, former work colleagues, etc. And you need to do that because nobody's going to do it for you. You need to do it yourself. So you have to have the optimist, optimism to pull yourself up because you have no other choice, okay? Because nobody's going to do it for you. Your friends and family, they all have, and your peers, they have their own problems. I'm sure they'll be helpfully supportive, but you need to rely on yourself. That's number one. So it's a combination of yourself having that inner faith, inner optimism, and then leveraging your Rolodex of contacts as best as you can. Um, would you say that that was the case for you as well when you were in that position? Is that exactly what you did? You know, was there anything else that you did as well that helped you through those those darker times? Um, as I mentioned, relying on my wife, um, my new wife, relying on my parents because I had them and then my kids, as well as close and former colleagues and friends um, was key. So the relationships, we're humans, we're social animals leverage those relationships you can't do it yourself did you feel uh, uh, a sort of an unusual question but i just wanted to ask you do you feel any kind of like embarrassment as well for where you were because i felt it at some point and i know i've spoken to friends of mine who've been in that position felt it and you know you almost feel like i shouldn't be a failure but i am at this stage and it's hard to sometimes reach out to people and say look i need help i need your assistance you know i'm yeah, I mean, uh, I'm caught between a rock and a hard place right now. So, you know, help me in any way you can, you know, even if it's a small thing, like you said, it was people opening their networks to you. But did you find any of that was that self-talk was holding you back? You said you were a big fan of Tony Robbins. There's yeah. a read the Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Um, so read those books. Okay. Read them. Read ones like that. Um, there are plenty of them. Okay. And if they should give you some inspiration because there's step-by-step charts of how can you move forward, set a goal for next week, next month, the next three months. That might simply be picking up your ass and going to the gym and working out. It might be changing your diet. It might be making two calls today to a potential job opportunity or client and making five calls, making 10 whatever it happens to be, but you need to pick yourself up because there's no other choice. The other, only other choice is death, okay? So, you know, we're all gonna die at some point. So you wanna mope around and make that come sooner or wanna figure out how to be the best you can be and live your best life. So you really just need to uh, swallow your pride and that's not an easy thing to do and ask for help. That's good advice. What about you right now? How do you kind of maintain this balance between obviously, 
you know, being in a high flying position as you are, and also looking after your family with these six incredible children and your wife as well. And, you know, how do you manage everything in your life going on right now? Listen, I'll tell you in um, the pandemic has been a blessing in disguise. Look, I have um, elderly parents. I've lost some friends and close uh, relatives to the pandemic. However, um, being in my home during lockdown and spending the last seven or eight months in my office, planted in my chair from seven in the morning to sometimes 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock at night, I still take an hour in the morning or two to spend with my children, no phone, no computer, no Zoom calls and playing with them. And I have that opportunity because I'm sitting in a room right next door to where they're eating or playing, et cetera. Then spending an hour to myself, working out, just taking a brisk walk or whatever it happens to be to clear my head and then getting back in the seat, back in the saddle and plugging away. Um, what's important is after all those years, I found a job that or career that I am thrilled and passionate with. It has both um, respect wise, as well as, um, as I mentioned, um, the impact investing side of it as well. So I don't feel like I'm working from seven o'clock to 10 o'clock at night with some breaks. I'm passionate. I love what I do. So I'm not working for work itself. I'm not living to work. I'm working and I'm working because I enjoy it. And so because I enjoy it so much, it doesn't feel like work. I also try to do opportunities in terms of my investing size with people that I like. Listen, I'm from New York living in, uh, in, uh, in London now, but I'll tell you this, I'm big on the no asshole factor. <laughs> that basically means I, I want to work with good people. I want to work with people like yourself that I can invite to my home for a barbecue, a dinner, and share my family and share my home with you. I want to do the same thing with the people that I'm working with. I have that opportunity at this point. So I'm going to pick and choose very selectively who I invest with, who I'm going to give our multi-generational wealth to, and who I want to spend my time with. And I have that opportunity. So I try to surround myself with those people that I could add value to their life and they could add value to mine. Beautiful, lovely, and well well said, I must say. By the way, I had the uh, honor of going to New York this year for my first time just before lockdown. My wife took me for my uh, birthday this year, and uh, what, a, what an incredible city, I have to say. It was a, a wonderful experience, I must say, as well. Do you miss New York, or would you prefer London? It's uh, interesting. Okay, so <laughs> I'm, uh, I love London. I love the culture. I love the people. I also like the fact that I'm uh, part of Europe. At least uh, even with after Brexit, I still think we'll be good, a very important partner there. Um, but I love New York. Uh, listen, I have family in New York and I have family here. So, um, so between New York, London, Spain, Venezuela, where my wife is from, I try to uh, uh, be bi-coastal as much as I can because uh, I need to. Because I need to spend time with my children back home and my parents back home in the States. But home is here as well. Ah, uh, lovely. I, I have to say, though, I did I did have fun in New York. I uh, 
uh, like yourself, very early riser, and I'd wake up early and go for a nice run around New York and Central Park and places like that. So I very much enjoyed myself as well. But I have to say, it was very much hard because I'm a vegan, right? It was very hard to find vegan food there, uh, except for the vegan specialty restaurants. It's not quite as eclectic because it is London, but it's a beautiful city, though. I loved it. Absolutely loved it. And they're going through a very tough time right now. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, economically and financially, um, people moving. There's a record level of apartments available for rent, tremendous amount of supply. Uh, but New Yorkers and New York will come back, uh, just like it happened after September 11th, which was the worst time for New York City. It'll come back. The pandemic, there'll eventually be a cure or some type of antibody that will be found. It might not be next month or maybe hopefully next year, but it will be found. And uh, the city will come back, just like other cities will. And so uh, it'll be great again, but I still like my home in New York, in uh, London. Lovely. And I definitely hope to be one of the people to visit one day and uh, have a have a barbecue and a coffee with you or yourself and your wife and your family. It'd be lovely to do that at some point in the future. So a couple of parting questions. First thing is, uh, from your standpoint, uh, with everything that you've done in life, what was what would be the legacy that you would love to leave behind on planet Earth? When, when people see your headstone, uh, what is the legacy you'd love to... Uh, be on there? I'll tell you, it won't be financial. It'll be focused on, uh, was a great son, was a great um, husband, was a great father. And my legacy will be my six children and making sure that I give them the tools and, and love and guidance that they require uh, to be great global citizens. If I can make them good global citizens, then I've done my job properly on this short amount of time that I'm on this earth. That's absolutely beautiful. I love that. And a, a, a sort of a side question for you as well. Obviously you're here on the podcast today. Uh, what was the reason for you wanting to do something like this? What is the, what is the real key message you want to get out there right now, especially with everything going on? What is the, the, if there's one message you could spread right now that could go viral, what would it be? Success is determined by the individual. Okay. And that is, the best expression. I try to live by that. And in these difficult times, economically, financially, with the pandemic, etc., how do you define success? How you define success will determine what type of individual you'll be as a global citizen, and also uh, what type of uh, individual you'll be for your family. Is success mean you're going to leave a legacy in terms of children if you're blessed to have children? Is success defined by monetary rewards? Is it fame and fortune? Only you can determine that yourself. Nobody can determine it for you. I've had my ups and downs in my career. And after 35 years, I, I feel I look at success in terms of my uh, uh, family, my wife, my children, my health, my parents, etc. And obviously, uh, monetary helping out in that regards is, is important, but it's not number one it's not number two and it's not number three on that list beautiful lastly by the way if you don't mind me asking how old are you because you've got amazing complexion and like you know from everything you've said like i thought to myself you were talking i was like no way you could be over 50 no way i'm 53 wow you don't look it i have to say i appreciate that that's either a testament to your passion or you have an incredible face cream one of the two it's got to be <laughs> I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> oh, listen, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on as well. And uh, I think some definite, uh, sorry, some powerful 
you know, uh, takeaways there, some powerful sound bites of wisdom that people can uh, practically take away and use. And as well, especially from someone who's, you know, been through the highs and lows, the ups and downs, been through the process of reinventing themselves several times. And, you know, is someone right now who's uh, able to smile, enjoy life, uh, and, you know, is creating a wonderful legacy through a family uh, and through other means as well. And obviously trying to impact the globe in a, in a powerful way as well. And, uh, you know, it's great to see this entire package coming out of one individual, which is quite rare sometimes. So I wanted to say thank you for your time and sharing your message. It's a, it's a wonderful to have on. And uh, um, for what I will do is for anyone watching this right now or anyone listening to the podcast, I will definitely include links to find Peter online. Um, I'll be sharing the the uh, uh, audio from the podcast platforms as well a little bit later on. I have a website. I'm on LinkedIn. I have a website, peterblout.com. However, I could be helpful to your audience. It'd be a pleasure and an honor. That's beautiful. Thank you. It's very rare that you hear that as well, but I think it's amazing that you do that. And you know you only get those kinds of offers from people who genuinely mean it. So I want to say thank you for that as well. It really is and has been a fun conversation and a pleasure. Thank you. Stay online with me to everyone else out there watching or listening. I wish you all a beautiful week ahead. And of course, as always, feel inspired in all ways. And I will catch you on the next podcast, which is going to be on Friday. So have a wonderful week ahead, everyone. And thank you again. And I'll speak to you soon. Take care.